knows that there's a time when they're infants in their life that they know absolutely nothing and you know everything. Then there's a time in their life about 12 to 14 years later when they know everything and you know nothing. You know that? It kind of comes in that growing up as they try to understand who they are and become independent and things like that. They begin to uh, want to be free, sort of free from mom and dad. And I think today as we talk about communion, it raises the issue of how God is holding on to us. And of course, how we respond to it and what God is doing and how we can receive it. Graduation is not far away, that season in the year when a lots of seniors or the last year in whatever school level it is are about to finish and they are excited for what comes next. Maybe a little anxious too, but they are ready to move on from that experience and they're always grateful there to teachers and others who've helped them. But sometimes when we are ready to go out, and I mentioned to them, the confirmands, that this service completes the confirmation process, but not everything is done yet. Kind of reminds me uh, once, I remember this uh, really as a child when I was growing up, there was a, a Sunday morning when uh, there was a child near us seated in the pew, and the child was not behaving very well. Uh, that happened. Sometimes it was us, but this time it was somebody else. Uh, and after fidgeting for a while, the dad got kind of exasperated, and I'm not sure what he said to that little boy, probably about three years old, uh, but he picked the boy up in his arms and turned around and began to walk out as the preacher was preaching his sermon. And the little boy, with a plea, turns to the congregation as dad is walking out in a voice as loud as mine said, somebody help me. I don't know what the preacher said the rest of that morning, but I remember the words of that little three-year-old, somebody help me. And I believe that is a fundamental cry of every Christian. For if we think we're making it on our own and doing a great job of it, we have missed the greatest resources that God has put right before us. And sometimes it takes little more than us simply saying to God, Somebody help me. And today, we're reminded it is God's giving of the Holy Spirit that makes a difference in them, their life. Paul writes to the Galatians because they have come, become somewhat confused in their understanding of the Christian faith. That can happen, you know. Uh, he had taught them real clearly about Jesus being the one who is our Savior, sufficient Others came claiming that, well, Jesus is good, He's okay, He does some good things, but you also need, and they became confused. And so, Paul writes back to them and says, you know, uh, there is something you need. It's something that God gives out. All of us need to learn to cry for it, and God offers it to us, and that is in the form of His Holy Spirit. But what we know is, even as our compromands today have accepted these vows and made them, and you've done it, many of you before, we know when you have said that and you walk back out the door, any given Sunday, the world is still out there in the state it was before we entered here, and some of the very same struggles that have knocked at your door before will be right there again, and we are learning the cry 
of the little boy, somebody help me. It's not a cry of immaturity. It's not a cry of uh, just rescue. It's a cry of hope. That there is someone there who knows us, who has compassion, who has set a way that we can follow Him. And in that following, it says, we are to walk in the Spirit. I like that analogy of walking for lots of reasons myself, but always reminded that walking is a healthy thing we do. In Jesus' day, aside from those who might have an animal they could ride, or those who were traveling on a boat or ship in the water, the way people, most people, got around was by walking. He said the same is true that we learn to walk in the Spirit. It is as fundamental to your journey of walking to get around as it is for you to move around in the world effectively as a follower of Jesus is that you need the Spirit. The Spirit is not a mystery, he said. You can know the Spirit is there. You can recognize Him by some qualities that you can see in your own life. Or hopefully, see in those who in a church service are sitting around you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That goodness is translated generosity in some other translations. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm not sure if that is a, a, le- a list we should keep in our pocket and several times a day pull out and say, well, how am I doing? Maybe. Maybe it wouldn't hurt anyway to say, aren't those some parts of the things that should be in my attitude and actions always? I, I should keep it in my mind. I should let the Spirit bring it to my remembrance so that it isn't stale. It's opportunity. I like opportunity. Opportunity has so much to do with what's going to shape your life. Sometimes we create opportunity, but many other times people, we simply respond to what's given to us. I think of schooling, and that's something that grade schooler in today, and you, you're not sure you want to call it opportunity or not. It's just there, and you have no say-so in it other than you're to go, and you're to make well, you know, do the things asked of you. There's a time later when the additional schooling of college or what's beyond becomes a goal to which you must aspire and work and often pay to accomplish. Where do we venture in our walk? Walking is not just about getting somewhere, he said. It's fundamental to who we are and how we will make it around with the Spirit in our own lives. I had another translation for the text I read to you, which I thought might speak even more clearly to what it says. This is the way it goes from the message translation. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? He gives gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberant about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, 
not needed to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Those fruits of the Spirit are awesome for us. There's something that shows we're walking in step. The use of the word in that part of the text has a military reference to it. The same kind of word, much like a soldier might mark in formation and how that changes what he does. When we lived in Columbus, they had a uh, 5K run sponsored by one of the local restaurants called the Midnight Express. You might guess by its name, it began at midnight. And it was the largest run every year. About 1,700 people came to that run. It ran through our neighborhood. And I ran it most of the years. One year, what impressed me the most, in the midst of that large crowd of people, there was a company of soldiers from Fort Benning. And when they started running, they ran in cadence. And they beat about 90% of the crowd of people. I thought, wow, that's the way to go, man. You can do more when you're together and trained in it than you can do otherwise. That's the way God blesses us. He'd say to us, as he gives that list of fruits, it's not meant to be a pick-and-choose variety in life. Hey, I'd like to do some of those some of the time. But he's saying to us, that is a part of who we are. A mixture of ways it shows itself, but all from the same Spirit. We learn to show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When those are seen in us, others can begin to understand where God's fruit grows, where His grace is seen. I have served on a group called Society Society of St. Andrews, a gleaning ministry organization around the country. It had a, a group in Tifton when we lived there. And one day, I went out with a group of youth to get watermelons, Clint and I and some others. We entered into a watermelon field. It was several hundred acres inside. It had already been picked for the produce, what they could harvest to sell. But in that feel there were thousands of watermelons still there. I asked the man who gave us access, now what, what's the matter with them? He said, well, at the time of the harvest, they were either too large or too small or not shaped right. Nothing else is wrong with them. They just would not sell if you took them to a grocery store. So they didn't pick them. They left them in the field. And we stayed there for about 30 or 40 minutes. We had a nice trailer behind us. We filled up with them. And we, we left. You couldn't tell any more was gone. There were so many still there. Gleaning the fruit. It's tragedy and what's left out there unused. Just as there is when God's fruit is not harvested in us. And God wants to do so much more to change our lives. You see, the liturgy we used for them this morning is very simple. A common liturgy like it simply says this, Do you turn to Christ, to which you say, I return to Christ? You repent of your sins, and you say, I repent of my sins. You renounce evil, and you say, I renounce evil. It's just so simple, so easy to state, but livable only as we turn to Him. 
Al Sutton is the oldest person I knew growing up who became a Christian late in his life. You know how I knew Al was old? His hair was white. And I was about 12 years old. And I thought, he must really be old. Al started coming to our church because he met a younger woman. She had dark hair. She must not have been as old as him. Now I know about hair coloring. Not then, I did not know about hair coloring. The, The short of it is, Al stayed around the church for about, oh, I don't know, better part of a year in that time. And I kept seeing Al, didn't notice her as much as I'd see Al. I was not grown, but I noticed this man, and and one day he came to the preacher and said, I want to be baptized and join the church. And that Sunday morning, wasn't with a confirmation class, he came by himself at the altar and knelt, he was baptized, and he joined the church. He stood up and asked the preacher, may I speak to the congregation? And they said, certainly you can. He turned around to us, and I remember what he said. He said, my biggest regret is I did not do this years and years earlier when God had called me to. I have so little to offer now, but whatever I do have, I come to give. We may be like Al at times in our lives. More should gone by than should have before we are open to what God's request is of us. The other side of that, of course, is it's not too late if you're here. Maybe we feel like the little boy exiting in his dad's arms. and We have troubles. Maybe they're waiting as near as the exit of that door. Or somewhere in the week ahead, we really want to cry out, Somebody help me. And he will. That is the good news. Would you pray with me? Our Father, it is you who loves us. We discover it in different ways. And we're always discovering how you can fill our lives afresh and bring from us things that would never have been if it were not for you. For the gift of your Spirit and the power of lives that are changed through it, we give you thanks. Bless these compromands, their families, and all of us as your congregation. In Christ we pray. Amen.